Good day, all. Welcome to another season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamla D. Here to teach you Bible truth, to help you grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace by teaching Bible truth, not my truth, Bible truth. Here we read scriptures that contain God's word. Remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Saturday. We are in March of the year 2023, and today is the 11th. Now, I told you last week as we finished my little short series about confronting sin and the proper way to repent, and it's being received well to God be all the glory. I am on a three-week vacation from podcasting. Yes, while I continue to study for my next short series. But today I will be sharing a previous podcast that I shared by the late, great Freddie Caldwell Sr. He passed away last year, saints. He had a stroke. Yes, my bishop, my favorite bishop had a stroke. But I know he's in the bosom of Jesus. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. The name of this uh, episode is The Simplicity of Salvation. So I want you guys to sit back and listen. The body of Christ about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And uh, let me take you to the Keystone Scripture first, and then we'll move on from there. I want you to go to where we just came from in our studying in the book of Acts, the second chapter. Acts chapter 2, as you well know, is uh, comprises basically of Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And in Acts chapter 2, and I need for you to key in on verse 47. I think that's where I need to go. Verse 47. Is that what I said? Okay. Don't try to interrupt me. Acts 2.47. This is what happened to them on the day of Pentecost. Um, let me start at verse 41. <clears throat> then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. Drop down to verse 47. The people were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added. Who added? The Lord. Who added? The Lord. the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. On other night, on the 4th of July, I was watching Netflix and I watched the story of Carlton Pearson. And that's a sad discourse of a man who fell from grace because of his own stupidity, arrogance, bullheaded and refused to hear the voice of those that had wisdom in the word. 
He had an uncle by the name of Quincy, and his uncle was up in age and in prison. His uncle had sent for him to come and see him, and he did. So when Carlton went to see his uncle, his uncle asked to be saved. Carlton, from a Pentecostal background, and a few other angles that he was coming from, told his uncle that he was not ready to be saved. And back then, I don't know what they're believing now, what they're saying now, but he told that to his uncle. And he did not lead him into a saving knowledge of Jesus. He did not extend God's mercy and grace to him. Carlton left that prison upset, first of all, because his uncle had called for him to come because Carlton had leverage in the community and his uncle wanted him to write a letter to some dignitaries so that he could be released and Carlton wouldn't do it and got angry because his uncle called down and made that request. And so in the middle of all that, Carlton did not lead him to Christ because Carlton, in his own mind, see, is, 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 you have to understand, when the Lord take you from nowhere and bring you to the forefront of somewhere, you must never forget who brought you and where you came from. All men need saving. It's not for us to judge as to whether or not they have sinned and got so much sin into the, in their lives until they can't be saved. You don't want to put yourself in that position because you are not God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Carlton left that day looking for a more convenient time to return to his uncle and tell him about Jesus. Well, before he got able to get back, his uncle died. And so in the death of his uncle, Carlton, and what's so amazing, he graduated from a university, uh, Oral Roberts University there in Tulsa. And I'm not blaming the university. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just telling you what the story was about. How can you graduate from a college and, 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 and your head has gotten so swollen until salvation depends on you. And obviously we see some of that today. If you don't like somebody, you ain't going to tell them about Jesus. But anyway, long story short. So his uncle died, his uncle Quincy. So Carlton, in a packed out congregation, mixed congregation in Tulsa, where the race riot took place in 1921, came to the pulpit after his uncle Quincy had died and said that a loving God, see this is, this is when people get off track, when, why is it that a loving God would send his children that he created to hell? That a loving God would not send his created beings to hell. There is no hell. That's what he said. And there is no need of preaching the gospel because everybody's already saved. Now you call that the doctrine of inclusion. So People began to get up out of the church all the way live on a Sunday morning, and they should have, because the second Sunday he came back around, 
he made it even worse. And he refused to admit that he was wrong. Now all these scriptures, he said God spoke to him and told him that all men are saved. So what happened in the process is that one night his mother called him and his uncle Quincy was his mother's brother. And she said to him, you need to get back to preaching what you used to preach. Your uncle Quincy went to hell because he rejected Jesus. And somebody else, she said, went to hell because of the rejection of Jesus Christ. Now I said all that to say this. So old Roberts went to Carlton Pearson and told him, you always have a place here and you have a place in my heart, but you need to get this straight. He told him, you need to read Romans 10 and 9. Carlton never did that. And so it's, 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 it can be breathtaking and amazing and almost bordering on fright when you think about the last time you watched a TV program that's been long running. was an invitation issued to come to Christ. No. An invitation was issued to send some money over here. And when you find, there's nothing wrong with money. And when you finally look, look at the simplicity of salvation, it's almost a silent conversation in the land today. Why? Because the average person does not know what it takes to be saved. And an attempt for any believer to show his proudness or how much he may think that he or she knows about the Bible have complicated salvation to such a degree until they can't just look anybody in the eyes straight and tell them, what must I do? What must they do? in order to be saved. So today I want to talk about salvation. And as we look in these scriptures, people all over America, for the most part, are not going to church anymore. They're using the pandemic as an excuse. Well, they was probably gone before that happened anyway. And then there are those in high places that don't know what they're talking about. And a lot of people think that if you're in a major city like Atlanta or Los Angeles or Tulsa, that if you got, quote unquote, a church, you got to know what you're talking about. Jim Jones had 950 some people that went to Guyana and perished. So we have to understand that when we talk about doctrine, doctrine is teaching what the Bible teaches, teaching what you have been taught and rightly divided. And don't change the word because your Uncle Quincy died. The word is the word. And it's God's word and it need to be respected, it need to be taught straight up, and we don't have no dog in the race. So I want to talk today about the simplicity of salvation, how simple it is to be saved. Now, first of all, in order for anyone to be saved, they must be a sinner. Amen, walls and lights and posts. If a person, if their argument is that I'm not a sinner, 
then you cannot be saved. Because the blood of Jesus was shed for sinners. Not for people. For some good man or some good people, one would dare to die. But Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. <laughs> How in the world did you get so good that you ain't no sinner? No, you're saved, but you're still sinning. So we're going to look at the simplicity of salvation. And we must not try to take God's place to decide who's going to be saved, who's not, based upon whether we like them or not. Then you're a person that can be, cannot be trusted with the message. Because the message must go out the way that it is. And if you don't like somebody and you're talking to them, then you just witness to them with a broken heart, frown all up on the inside, but give them the word. So the simplicity of salvation. There are a few scriptures that we're going to take a look at. Look back down at verse 47, Acts chapter 2. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So it's the Lord that adds to the church. Now Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So there's no other name under these heavens or this heaven whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Now, the purpose of the Lord's coming the first time, being virgin born, that's another problem that people have. I don't understand why, if, if this is the word of truth, and it is, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is, why do we get so busy trying to misinterpret what's here? Why don't we just be good stewards of God's word, say what the word says? If the word doesn't have anything to say, then we shouldn't have anything to say. And if we do have something to say, you ought to, before you say it, say, this is my opinion, which doesn't amount to anything. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. The simplicity of salvation. And a lot of people need to take more seriously God's word. I'm going to start at verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, before they had intercourse, she was already pregnant. And we know that happened when she had a visitation from the angel Gabriel. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, not Jesus' father. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He was thinking about it. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Now stop right there. This is why Jesus is called the son of David. Because Joseph was born into the house of David. Joseph would marry Mary. All that would take place in the house of David. So Jesus, thou son of David. He's the son of David because he was born into David's house. And that came through Mary, not Joseph. But Joseph was also in David's house. Saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, 
for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, that's a given. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the Lord added daily to the church, such as should be saved. After he had went back to heaven, this word was said that he was adding daily. So you can't join no church. You have to be put in there by the new birth. You have to be put into the church, which is the body of Christ, by the Lord. I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. First Timothy 1 and 5. Just a, what the old folk call, just a smidgen. <laughs> I don't know what a smidgen is, but I'm going to use a smidgen. We're talking about the simplicity of salvation. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I think I got that right. 1 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 5, that's not 5, that's 15. First Timothy 1 and 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, that's the man in God's right hand, that's why it's Christ before Jesus, it is his exalted position. God accepted his sacrifice for our sins. That's why it's Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, if the Lord sent his son into the world to be the savior of sinners, in order for the simplicity of salvation to become a reality, we need two things. We need a sinner, and we need a savior. If we don't have no sinner, we don't need no Savior. Now, there is a mistake, and then we're going to move on. There's a mistake that people constantly make that messes a lot of people's heads up. Have you ever heard the acronym KISS? Keep it simple, stupid. We should keep this as simple as it could possibly be kept because people are already lost. They're already confused. So Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not good people. Sinners. But we live in a time now, you call a person a sinner, they are so insulted, they pull in their blouse and they pull in their shirt all together like they've been highly offended. You're still a sinner. From God's vantage point. And so Christ Jesus came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Carlton went off the rail talking about we don't need to preach the gospel. Everybody already saved. What you call Carlton Pearson and I'm, I'm name-calling because he put himself in this situation. And he can get himself out of this situation if he ever were to repent. He's called a heretic. And he is preaching hearsays. Now, to invite somebody like that to preach at a church where the fundamentals of the faith have been heralded for years is against God's will. So in this Carlton Pearson story, the bishops, Bishop Ellisdem, called Carlton to a meeting to come and to defend his doctrine. He tried to turn the table on the elders, and it didn't work. 
ain't no way if Christian people know their Bible that they're going to let someone twist these scriptures. See, so the warfare is not between us and the person. It's between us and what the person is saying that doesn't line up with this word. In Isaiah 8 and 20, you don't have to turn there, but if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Got it? Now, First John. Then we're going to get into the simplicity of what it takes to be saved. But I first needed to establish the fact that all men are born lost. All men are born in need of a savior. And if a person says he doesn't need saving, then he has just reserved his eternal spot in hell. 1 John 1 and 9. 1 John 1 and 8. Well, let me start at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard from the beginning and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, which is the word, darkness is without the word. But if we walk in the light, that word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, that, that's that word homologio, to say the same thing about sin, about salvation, about anything, to say the same thing that God says. So if we, this is where people get messed up right here in this verse right here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, this is a thin line, but you must understand where the line is. You see verse 9? Now, if you came to Christ and you were in your 20s or 30s, there's no way. See, they say you have to confess your sins to be saved. That ain't what the scripture says. Correct. Correct. This scripture here is to the body of Christ. It's to Christians. It's to the born-again believers. Is not going back to when you were in elementary school and you sinned. So they're taking this verse to say, in order to be saved, you could, must confess all of your sins. I can't remember. I know you can. I can't remember all the sins I committed. So that's not what this scripture is saying, but that's what people are trying to make it say. And it's not saying that. If we confess our sins, see, if we confess our sins, in other words, if I curse you out, if I do something, now that I'm born again, I know what I'm doing. That's what this is talking about. But to walk up to a center on Sprague Street, you know, don't know, don't know sinners live on Ellaby. But if... You, you you walk up to a center on Sprague Street and you say, okay, you want to be saved? Yeah, man, I want to be saved. Okay, go right ahead. Confess all of your sins. Man, where do I get started? No. We don't confess sins to be saved. We confess the Savior who saves us to be saved. Amen. All right, moving right along. Now, I've been trying to get her here all day. I don't know why I didn't get here right quick. But Romans, the 10th chapter. Let's take a look at that. Or Roberts told Carlton Pearson. Now, I'm not, I'm not jumping on Carlton. 
And I'm not apologetic for anything I'm saying. And I'm saddened that it has happened to him. But you don't let a snake run loose in the mall. <laughs> you don't. It's a snake loose in the body of Christ that has a, that had a whole lot of popularity, a whole lot of leverage that is preaching against Christ. And some scripture used in this in this Carlton Pearson story, I said, My goodness, how in the world can you take that scripture and twist it? One scripture he twisted was where God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, that's what he would have. But it didn't say that all men are saved and came to the knowledge of the truth. See how easily that can be done with the sleight of hands. You must stand on this word to hell freeze over and they start selling popsicles at Walmart. Amen. Do not change this word. And when it comes to this word, we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. All right, now, this is the word that old Roberts told Carlton he need to get back to and take a look at. It's Romans 10 and 9. Now, you know we just left First John if we confess our sins, right? If we homologio, if we say the same thing about sin that God says. That's the believer confessing his sins. This is the sinner confessing his Savior. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That's real simple. Confessing Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's the simplicity of salvation. Amen. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, or with the heart man believeth unto prosperity, with the heart man believeth unto healing, with the heart man believe. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. Because man is a spirit. So, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and that, that is here, righteousness, because the emphasis is on righteousness, God's righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ. If it was on tithing, it would be the same thing. In your heart, you have to believe, and it will be shown up through your actions. If a man says that he has faith and have not works, then his faith is dead, being alone. All right, reading on. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto, unto salvation. salvation. That's, that's just that simple. Hallelujah. Now, now, let me pause right there. This is what I always get into, and I, I've tried to augment my teaching style and, and go another way, but I just can't seem to get over there. So by now, after all these years, I didn't find out that that lane is closed. So I just need to go ahead in the way that God has directed me to go. And that's what I strongly suggest that you do. Now, uh, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Which means then that inside, in our spirit, and we are spirit, that's where our belief system is. That belief system must never be compromised by Bible study with stupid people or looking for, what are you looking for and you got all the Savior you'll ever need. We open ourselves up because we think we are smarter than anybody else, and so we get out there on that limb, and we just like these old stupid people, these Hebrew Israelites, they claim that the Mexicans came out of Issachar. Now, where in the world did you get that from? And you got a lot of people that just buy into stuff. They just open up a new gas station 
out on Bird Coons, right across from a shell station. And I noticed how all those cars and trucks are over there. Why? It's new. People flock to new things. I just pray that that other station that I like to go to does not close. Because it's real simple. You pull up to the pump. You got a, you're a few feet from the door. You go in and pay, your ga- pay for your gas. You walk out and pump it. You're not exposed to the elements. You get in your car and you're going about your business. But it's new. Folk over there struggling in the rain and everything to get to the door to pay for the gas. Because it's new doesn't mean that it's better. You must build your hope on things eternal. If it's new, it's not true. Need I say that again? If it's new doctrine, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. And that's where our fight comes in. Stick with the old path. <laughs> uh-huh. I know what I'm talking about. So confession of Jesus is for salvation. Confessing of sins is for the believer who has committed them. Verse 11, for the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all, they call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you were to listen to Carlton Pearson, calling for what? He said, you don't have to call. You're already saved. Well, then that makes everything that Jesus did in his mind of no effect. Why in the world would a man named Jesus go through all the agony of the cross? If everybody was already saved. Wait, Saints, I have to intervene here because I saw the movie. Um, Bishop Caldwell, I don't know if he uh, was so disgusted at what he was seeing, he missed it. But Carlton Pearson, his message was, and he was deceived by the devil now. His message was, because of the blood of Jesus, he never excluded Jesus. He said, everybody is already saved anyway, so you don't have to preach the gospel. He said, but the blood of Jesus covers everyone, no matter who they are. It can be a Muslim. It can be a Buddhist. It can be Africans over in a whole nother country, people in a whole nother country who never heard of Jesus, people who speak another language who never heard of Jesus. They're saved anyway because of the blood of Jesus. That's not true. That is not true. Now, let me resume with uh, Bishop Caldwell. Why in the world would Jesus... Give up the ghost, leave his own body on that tree, commit his spirit and soul into the hands of his heavenly father. And immediately, immediately go into hell itself into the flames to spend three days down there, three eternal days to get the keys. To make sure his children doesn't go there. And to make sure that those that are there don't come out of there unless he decides it's time for them to come to the great white throne judgment. And then Jesus was raised from the dead the third day. They said, do you believe that? I sure do. <laughs> I sure do. What you've been drinking, it doesn't matter. Whatever I've been drinking, you need to drink it. Forty days after he had been raised, for the second time, he went back to heaven. And according to Psalms 110, see, it's according to Psalms 110, verses 1 through 4. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here on my right hand mm-hmm. until 
I'll make your enemies your footstool. Where is Jesus right now? Seated at God's right hand. Amen. What is he up there for? To make intercession for us. Christ is still alive. (laughs) He's still alive. In him we live, move, and have our being. Now, if people get on your nerves by saying, I ain't going to accept Jesus, well, go to hell. Go on. Because it ain't my gospel. And anyone who rejects life loves death. Romans 10 and 1. Brother, in my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, which is Christ, and going about to establish their own righteousness, work upon the law, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now watch this. The right, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, right? Which means then that they have not submitted themselves. Right? Because in verse 4, it explains everything he said before then. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes it. Amen, there it is. (laughs) And see, Paul got so upset one time, he told Timothy, this is what he said, and I'm paraphrasing. What if some don't believe? He, God, abided faithful. He cannot deny himself. So if, if, if you're a Muslim, you say, well, I'm going to follow Allah. Go on with your bad self. But the God of the Bible is going to judge everybody. And when the judgment comes and God doesn't see his righteousness, see Righteousness is like a mirror with God when he looks at us. If he doesn't see his righteousness in us, that vessel is going to be destroyed. Whose report will you believe? See, because at the end of the day, either this gospel is believed or is not believed. Acts 16. 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to go about, I say, verse 30. Acts 16 and 30. Stay with the scriptures, people. Do not go on your own trying to create some new doctrine. I'm going to start at verse 25. Now this is critical. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They did what? They prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and it was not a bud light. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. And they said. They. They. So this wasn't just Paul preaching. In this instance. 
It was Paul and Silas. And they, when you see that word, they there, that means that they were there in one accord. And see, we, we, we just spent quite a few weeks looking at the apostle's doctrine. And it's called the apostle's doctrine because you got Peter standing here preaching and the, and the other ten behind him. So it was 11 of them. All of them were in total agreement. As Peter moved into the Old Testament and, and, and back into what we call now the New Testament because there was no New Testament except in the blood of Jesus and now it was being worked out in, in real time, in real life by people that were experiencing Jesus Christ. That's the same way it is today. When a person is genuinely born again, They are genuinely born again. So we must not be preaching this gospel thinking that nobody's hearing me. It's not up to us to determine who's hearing us or not. Our job is to say it. Because the wheat and the tear is going to grow together. So, so, so this man is in a pickle, and the reason he wanted to kill himself because in those days, if you were a prison guard and you let the prisoners escape, then whatever uh, judgment they had against them, now it's on you. So he wanted to kill himself because he, he just thought all of them had escaped. So how in the world he going to do all that time for all them people that have escaped? But you know, let me ask you a question. What did God use to get your attention? <laughs> now with the jelly, it was the earthquake, it was the prayers and the song. Which he didn't hear none of that because he was asleep. But when that earthquake hit, that woke him up. That mean that brother was sleeping. But what did God use to get your attention? Now, don't sit here and, and try to act like you've been good all your life. Because you've been good all your life. You don't need saving. And I'm not trying to, you know, stress no point. I know I was a rich undone. Come the weekend... I was out there. But the Lord. But the Lord. So this man wakes up out of this stupor. And Paul tells the man, don't kill yourself, don't do yourself no harm. We are all here. Nobody has escaped. In verse 29, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord. See, this is what we need to understand. The man asked a question. It wasn't a complex question. It was a simple question. What must I do to be saved? They spoke to the man the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes because they had been beaten and was baptized, he and all his, immediately. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoicing, believing in God with all this house. What a beautiful end. People have to want to be saved. They have to want to be saved. And we should not be found guilty of turning people away from church by our own action. This is my seat. No, it's not. Move yourself over 
and let this person sit down. Now, Saints, that's the end of this message. I first aired this back in October on uh, October the 2nd of the year 2021. Uh, old Bishop passed away last year, uh, July the 22nd of 2022. He was 76 years old. I miss my bishop. But in any event, I hope you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions about it, shoot me a question in the Q&A of the podcast that you are listening to, and I will answer your question. Until next time, saints, peace out. I hope you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode or any previous episodes, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because it has been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Or you can send your seed to me via Cash App, dollar sign, Dr. Kamala D. That's dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, saints, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.